kicking it with Kendrick. Mm, we love that acting. You're kicking it with Kendrick, but not that Kendrick. Nah, nah. You're kicking it with Kendrick. Your twilight gets it. You're kicking it with Kendrick. Pitch perfect singing. Oh, yeah, she's on the go. How many actors got that glow? Singing and acting, I don't know. Not even Leo's got that flow. Musicals and movies more. All the talents out the door. We're seeing what she's got in store. Yeah, and it's time to stop the show. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Kicking It with Kendrick. I am one of your hosts, Pierre, and I am joined as always by the lovely also host Jeff. Jeff, how are you doing? How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. And you know what? I really appreciate that you called me lovely. Not very many people do that right these days. No worries. I just love the word lovely. But also you are lovely too. Oh, and thank you. Our special guest today, joining us from the Concha Zoom podcast. Uh, we have Rachel and Dakota. How are you both? Hello, good, thank you. That was really cute, by the way, that little interaction with you guys. It was adorable. Some might say it was lovely. <laughs> Whoa, it was lovely. Wow. It really was lovely. That's impressive. You really tied it all together there. <laughs> I'm a segue machine. <laughs> so how does it feel to be... I think you guys are now our second set of returning guests. You guys are only the second pair of people to be on this, uh, to be on this show twice. How does that feel? elite company i'm really that's great do we get like a certificate or a plaque or something that's a five timers club uh yeah i can send you a trophy in the mail (laughs) we'll put it in like the background and it'll be something to to display whenever i'm on like zoom calls or something like that (laughs) i you know i would actually say it's it's very much an honor because i know who your first two-time guest is and that was ben and and I, I've been meaning mm-hmm. to tweet about it. That Into the Woods episode might be one of the most interesting podcast episodes I've ever listened to. The reason why I say that, I hate Into the Woods and I hate musicals, but I loved that episode. I learned so much about the history of musicals and Stephen Sondheim and everything. Like I'm so happy at the end of that you asked him to come back for the next five years because that was an also equally interesting episode. Wow, what a guest Ben was. Yeah, oh my God. I'm, I mean, I'm sure he's going to be just thrilled to hear that. But if I if we ever have an opportunity to bring him on this podcast again, I would love that personally. Like, I'm trying to he's find a so reason to have him so knowledgeable about on. musicals. I mean, talk about West Side Story. <laughs> I know he has a lot to talk about West Side Story. So uh, what movie are we talking about today, Jeff? <laughs> All right, so... <laughs> That's my segue. So today, <laughs> As you can, uh, beautiful. I've, I've got a lot to learn from Dakota. <laughs> Truly a wonderful segue. Yeah, thank you. Today, we're going to talk about the movie, The Voices. And uh, for those of you who have listened to, uh, who are religious listeners of both uh, Kicking It With Kendrick and ContraZoom, you guys will have recently heard our episode that we guested on, uh, Life After Beth which was also a horror comedy. The Voices, of course, a horror comedy. These are two sort of like mid-period Anna Kendrick movies where she was in horror movies. Not that many. These are pretty much the only ones. You can make an argument for two others as far as I'm concerned, but it's not a strong argument. So this is one of two uh, horror movies that Anna Kendrick is in. The Voices is a movie starring, you guessed it, 
Ryan Reynolds, Canadian actor Ryan Reynolds. He's playing a not really down on his luck, just sort of a regular guy in a who works in a manufacturing plant, and he has what is never stated but heavily implied to be pretty bad paranoid schizophrenia with uh, and he's taking meds for it or he's occasionally taking meds for it occasionally off his meds and due to this he hears voices and those voices typically just come from his two pets but as the uh, movie goes on he gets involved with some some people from his work romantically and then otherwise and his mental illness starts to get worse and worse as he goes off his meds and spirals into well this is a horror movie so horror movie territory i think that's the easiest summary i can give pierre did i miss anything important i don't believe so i i i can't confirm ryan reynolds is in this movie though this movie stars ryan reynolds in five different roles as well as Gemma Arterton as one of the main love interests and Anna Kendrick as the other main love interest. Unlike a lot of our previous episodes, we basically just have this movie to talk about. I um, hope that there's a lot to talk about in this movie. We uh, don't have an extra topic, but Pierre, I want to get your thoughts on this movie and how we're going to talk about this movie. My initial thoughts are generally like, I mean, I feel like we've grown to a a certain point in society where I've grown, I I expect certain things from Ryan Reynolds. I didn't really get those things in this movie. Uh, So it was like, I guess, very confusing to see him in a role that happened to be so violent, I guess. And it just, I I mean, I've seen Deadpool, right? So like, and that was fine. But in this movie, it just felt really off. I don't know what to say it. And it felt like uh, very much uh, similar to the movie we talked about earlier, Life After Death, where it, it's like a dark comedy that doesn't really know what it's trying to do, if that makes sense. I'm curious to know what you guys felt, uh, if you guys felt the same way. Uh, Rachel, what did you think of this movie? I really, really liked this movie. I kind of looked it up a little bit beforehand, and all I saw was it was supposed to be a dark comedy. I had been told it was dark. Dakota watched it before me and he said it like gets really dark. But I was like, oh, like a lot of people say things get dark and they're not usually that dark. And then I watched it and I was like, yeah, this thing really is bleak. Like it's a, it's, it's a tough movie in some sense. I agree with Pierre about the Ryan Reynolds thing. I don't know about you guys. I'm getting a little bit sick of the man at this point. Like it's just the same shtick over and over and over again. And it's getting a little bit, tiresome and so you watch a movie like this which I'd never seen before and I'm kind of like why doesn't he do more things like this like more kind of serious you see a bit of the Ryan Reynolds thing in it still like a mm-hmm. bit of his comedy or not comedy because I actually don't think that this movie is very funny <laughs> there's not much humor in it in the slightest um there's like a bit of humorous points up to the beginning and then there's a point when he goes um on his meds he goes back onto his meds and the, there's like a big a bit of a camera switch which is really interesting and then the movie just kind of becomes something entirely different and it's it's a really fascinating fascinating movie i think and there's a lot of films out there now that look at mental health and kind of take different views on it you have something like take shelter which is quite a serious look at mental health other movies like was it welcome to me which is a kristen wig movie 
that made me think of this one a lot where it's meant to be slightly comedic, especially given the people that are involved in it, but it's incredibly dark and becomes a bit of an interesting insight into somebody who might have those conditions. Like, I don't, I mean, who, I don't know if it's true. Like if that's really kind of what um, people who are, are dealing with those things that if this is actually the process that they go through in their brain, but um, I loved it. I think it's such an interesting movie. And the more I, I literally just watched it this morning, to be honest. Um, but it's it's yeah, it's it's great. And I would definitely watch it again. Like, I'll definitely watch it again because it's it's good. And Anna Kendrick, I know this is about her. She's fantastic in this. Like, again, somebody who I think that she does the same thing over and over again a lot and it gets a bit tiresome. She's absolutely incredible in this. Like, she's a little bit Anna Kendrick still like her that style. But she absolutely blows it out of the water, in my opinion. I think it's amazing. She gets to use what she's really good at to be in a role that is just slightly different from what she's usually cast as. And I think it really works to her advantage. I think that, like, that's actually... I can actually say exactly the same for Ryan Reynolds in this movie yeah. as well. But before I gush too much and take all of everyone's air out of the room... Dakota, what did you think of this movie in general? Yeah, I, I agree a lot with what Rachel said. Well, sometimes when we're about to record an episode and we're talking about movies, we'll text each other a little bit, but like we'll be very coy about it. So like all I said to Rachel was like, oh, this is a dark movie. And that was all I told her about it because like I don't want to cloud her judgment. I don't want her to be like watching this movie. You're like, oh, Dakota thinks it's this or that. And the same reason she kind of similarly will, will message me same things. I went into this movie, I remember when it came out and how it seemed at the time, it was just like an absolute bomb. Everyone seemed to hate it. I It was, it came out and then no one ever talked about it. So the only time I ever see or read about the voices in my head, I go, oh, bad movie. Not going to watch that. So I was very hesitant to watch this. And it's funny because I was excited to watch Life After Beth, which I ended up really disliking. Listen to Contra <laughs> Zoom Pod to hear more about that. Yeah, so I went in expecting to hate this. And especially at the beginning, the first 15 or 20 minutes when it's quite literally everything is sunshine and rainbows, I hated the intro. The, I, I didn't laugh once. None of it made sense. It was, it was too ridiculous. And then there's this point in the movie where shit gets real, quite literally. And the whole movie flipped, and I was like, whoa, what the heck am I watching here? And through the rest of the film, I was so utterly fascinated by it that by the time it ended, I was like, I don't quite know if I liked it or not. I don't know if this is good or not. I don't know if this worked or not. And I watched it late at night and I slept on it. I woke up. I was like, yeah, I'm still thinking about this movie. This is so weird. I normally don't think about movies again. And then same thing, like day after day. I watched this, I think, four or five days ago from the time that we're recording this. I have thought about this movie every single day since, and every day I'm more and more sure that this movie is an absolute masterpiece, even though this might be one of the least funny horror comedies I've ever seen. Like, I did not laugh a single time. Wow. Did I take uh, all the wind out of your sails there? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what to say. Pierre, maybe Pierre knows what to say. Oh, uh, yeah, I am kind of uh, surprised, honestly, about... <laughs> it's, a, it's a lot of high praise. I, I'm surprised. So it seems like everyone, like what, Rachel and Dakota both really like this movie. Um, Jeff, you liked it as well? Like a lot? This is probably the fifth time I've seen this yeah. movie after, over 
you know, six or seven years. I watch this movie every now and then whenever I get the ex- whenever I get the excuse to push it on to people and make them watch it with me. So I really like this movie. That's crazy. I, I feel really singled out right now. Um, <laughs> I guess, it, like, well, for me, like, a, I think a big part of what 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 bothered me was how it. I didn't really understand where the plot was going the whole time because it just felt very like, oh, he murders someone, oh, he murders someone else. Like, Rachel, do you want to like kind of maybe highlight like what what you thought was like really interesting about like the theme slash plot, like because I, I I just find it hard to like pinpoint why you guys liked it so much in that sense. <laughs> I think when you're dealing with movies that talk about mental health, I think it can be a really tricky subject because how do you really convey, you know, what a person dealing with those things is going through? You can like, I don't know if you guys saw The Father, which was I think last year, mm-hmm. was it last yeah. year, this year, one of those kind of weird COVID release movies, but like that was one of those few movies that you saw and that you could really experience what it might be like because it's kind of a weird thing like not to say that you can't come to the other side of that but something like the father I you know I don't you can't come to the other side of Alzheimer's so nobody really genuinely knows what it what the fear is of of kind of dealing with things like that but I, I always find it interesting in a movie that is able to portray what that person's perspective is on the world without them just being like crazy like without them just being manic people like i i there was a movie that i just recently saw at um sundance called resurrection and rebecca hall's great in it but she's just crazy like she's just kind of in a downward spiral which is a really easy thing to do kind of in movies um whereas something like the father something like voices you take a much more almost creative spin on how to deliver that feeling of this person is just seeing a completely different world to what the rest of us are seeing. And I love the way that the camera works in that sense of like flipping it back and forth. The color palette completely changes. Like obviously his apartment is is very different, but I found that really fascinating. Like just the idea of, of being able to portray something as heightened and I think unique as schizophrenia, which I don't know if they ever mention it's schizophrenia, but I think it's, kind of heavily implied that that's what he's going through yeah i don't think it's specifically stated yeah but i mean so assuming it's something like that or paranoia as jeff said at the beginning or you know personality disorder like a split personality kind of thing you know whatever it is it's the way that they're able to put that onto the screen and put it from his perspective but then also put it from the perspective of everybody else is fascinating to me and i like i don't understand why they felt the need to call it a comedy, to be honest. Like, I feel like that was a bit of a, I don't know if that's why people didn't like it because they went into a Ryan Reynolds movie thinking it was going to be like a funny Ryan Reynolds movie and then it's not. Because I think it, it doesn't really do the film justice to call it a dark comedy because it's not funny. Like, it's not a funny movie. It's just, it's more of a dramatic movie that feels almost kind of, it's like a dramatic movie where they, they it's like kind of like poppy, like bubblegum pop. And then, Mm-hmm. contrast it with a pretty grim reality that he's living in so th- that's why I liked it like I just think it was a really creative way of doing something like that which it's quite difficult to do and we don't see it done very often like especially in a more light-hearted manner that it is because it's maybe it's because it's a Ryan Reynolds vehicle and that's why but yeah that that that's for me what 
what kind of pulled me into the movie. It comes at a very mm-hmm. interesting time of his career because if you look at his like filmography, this came out in 2014, which was two years before Deadpool, but it was also three years after uh, The Green Lantern, which was kind of seen as like his big flop. And he kind of had this time of about four or five years in purgatory where people weren't really sure what Ryan Reynolds actually was. Was he an action star? Because he had done stuff like Blade Trinity earlier, along with trying to be a superhero. Was he a comedy star? Because he's, you know, got this great sarcastic wit. Is he this dramatic actor? Because he had done quite a bit of really heavy dramatic stuff. And he's in this really weird limbo where they're trying different stuff for him because he's doing stuff like this, Mississippi Grind, R.I.P.D., Turbo, uh, Woman in Gold. Like, there's a whole bunch of really interesting stuff he does between... Green Lantern and Deadpool not all of it works but it's definitely him and his team trying to figure out what is his shtick what is what is a Ryan Reynolds movie and this I think works best because as a few of you have already said now a lot of us are really tired of the Ryan Reynolds personality Deadpool 1 is great it's a a really fun subversive take on the superhero genre but like when every single movie is basically Ryan Reynolds doing a Deadpool character you get sick really quick of it all so what is Ryan Reynolds as an actor? And so this was a, was a really fascinating one because we get this really good dramatic performance, but we also get this sort of light and fluffy Ryan Reynolds. All of it kind of removed his sarcastic shtick. None of that is really there, which is so fascinating because that's what he's actually most known for, which I think is so interesting. I think also it might be interesting to mention uh, one, one thing that I didn't, hear you talk about specifically this is also the same year as the movie the captive uh, an a24 movie came out so uh i just wanted to shout out you guys' a24 retrospective you guys have not talked about the captive yet but it will come up so i'll be very i'll be listening very intently to see what you guys think of ryan reynolds in the captive which as i understand it is another very dramatic turn for mm-hmm. him. but yeah as he said like it's sort of in the middle of trying to figure out who Ryan Reynolds is, what Ryan Reynolds' shtick is, and not to detract too much, but this is actually sort of in a place where while Anna Kendrick was well-known for... I mean, she she had just come off of Pitch Perfect probably two years earlier, so she was in the public eye, but at the same time, she was a little bit in limbo as well, where like she hadn't been typecast yet to the degree that she would eventually sort of be. Uh, 2014, the year that The Voices came out, was also the same year as Happy Christmas and Into the Woods and The Last Five Years, all of which are very different films with her in very different roles. I guess I would say Into the Woods and The Last Five Years are both musicals, but they are musicals of very different stripes and in this movie she's kind of not like in any of those movies either she's playing kind of a horror movie character here but notably and i think i've said this before on something she doesn't really fit as a scream queen so she's not like the stereotypical horror movie final girl or anything she's just sort of there as a character in a horror movie so yeah, that's that's kind of what uh, what I was thinking of this. Um, I I wasn't sure how I felt about the supporting roles because I, I just felt like they were way too passive in my opinion. Like Gemma Arterton's character, once she 
I don't actually just in general like, I like if you asked me to describe her character I couldn't really tell you what was going on especially because like I wish her character got more interesting once I don't know if there's a spoiler possible spoiler it happens kind of early but once she becomes a head I, I, I thought there would be a lot more opportunity to really flex like her acting skills or like just do more with it but it was just a lot of like I need a friend basically like there was more like Ryan Reynolds' character projecting onto himself. I thought there was like a lot of opportunity just there. I mean, same thing with uh, Anna Kendrick. I felt like there was there there was actually like they actually had like a decent amount of chemistry and stuff too. But I feel like she didn't really get enough time to shine in the movie to really uh, provoke much of an emotional reaction when stuff goes bad for her eventually. That's interesting. I actually thought she was Gemma Arton. I think like yeah, she wasn't given too much to do, but she was just kind of like a dick in the movie. Like at the beginning, she's just not a very nice person. But I actually thought there was something about her being like Satan or something like that. I don't know why. I thought she was gonna like come back or something. <laughs> um, but the for Anna Kendrick though, I'd actually have to disagree with you though, Pierre. I think that she was there was something about like I think it's just her performance. I don't think the character's written very not that it's not written well. I shouldn't say it's not written well. The character's not given like a crazy amount of depth to it, but she's very, very good in that, like Jeff said, she's not your stereotypical screen queen. She's not kind of somebody that you might envision in this role. Actually, but although there are parts of it that are very Anna Kendrick like, but for me, it's just nice to see her in kind of a, just a very different role for her that I think she fits really, really well. Like I think she fits that um or it's not that she fits it it's just she was she performed it beautifully like I think um to be you know kind of still poppy and bubbly in that kind of typical Kendrick thing but then seeing like she's scared shitless as well because you know well it is terrifying the situation she found herself in but yeah I can I can understand the criticisms to the movie like I did it's a bit surprising to hear that people really hated it. I didn't know that people really hated it. I knew that like, you can see like, it's not, it's not a perfect movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I think that there's so much good stuff in it that it's very unfairly, I think, judged if people genuinely don't like it. Like if people really hated it, like, I think that's a bit of a shame because maybe, maybe it was just an expectation of people thinking Ryan Reynolds, Anna Kendrick, it's going to be a certain type of movie. And then it's completely not that kind of movie at all. How much spoilers can we can we go in on this movie? <laughs> well, I think we may have more or less accidentally spoiled most of the movie anyway already, but I thank you very much for asking that because I'm going to say right now, if anyone is still listening to this and hasn't seen the voices, this is going to be a final spoiler warning. So here it is. As of now, Lots of spoilers. <laughs> Go ahead, Dakota. Because I find this movie is very hard to talk about without getting into the spoilers because more or less uh, a big plot point very early on is that um, Ryan Reynolds accidentally kills Gemma Arterton quite early. He accidentally stabs her to death uh, in, you know, what looks like, uh, from his perspective, a pure accident, what looks like, from her perspective, uh, a nice guy gone too far, which I thought was a very interesting twist. But the whole thing is, he accidentally kills her, freaks out, doesn't know what to do, so he quite literally chops her body up and puts her uh, severed head inside his fridge as he is putting all of her chopped up body parts into Tupperware containers that he keeps out in his apartment. But the real twist is, 
once you realize we, we know something we obviously know something is off about this guy but once he decides to take his medication and we see that first reveal of what his apartment actually looks like I, I don't think I've seen a better set design reveal than something like this before because I was I was so grossed out, offended, terrified. Like th- this is one of the few moments in a movie where I was legitimately surprised about what was actually happening. In the few times that it showed it throughout it, every time I got more and more uncomfortable with it. So the first time that he opened the fridge and you see literally a decomposing head in the fridge was quite shocking. And, you know, blood going up against the walls and, you know, all in his bathroom sink and these Tupperware containers that are still kind of oozing because he didn't really clean them as he was putting the body parts in there and cat shit literally on his couch and all this sort of stuff. I was I was so blown away with the depths that they decided to go to show how he really is living. Like we've all sort of seen stuff like on TLC, the, you know, people that have hoarding problems or things like that. And you see the the sort of homes that they live in and and the mess that they live in. This is what it was, but I've never seen such a good job of doing the reveal of showing the happy sunshine rainbows that the movie makes us think it is to what the reality actually is. And and because of that, that's why I like this movie so much. I uh, remember listening to your episode on Enemy, which uh, is a movie that features a lot of spiders, and you saying that you can't really watch spiders. S-words, S-words. S-words, excuse me. (laughs) Um, I am probably not quite to that degree, but I'm very similar with a mess like that. So, you know, a, a couple of years ago, I went to a I went to a haunted house and nothing in the haunted house phased me except the one room that they had that was like clearly there like someone had made a mess and like no one had cleaned it up in five years. That was the concept of that <laughs> room of the haunted house. And I just could not deal with that. And so watching this movie is like. At least the first time I watched it, I didn't look away. But since then, like, that's usually the point where I'll check my email or something while I'm watching this movie because that is just not acceptable to me. I can't look at that scene. But I think that's kind of the beauty of that reveal is that it's mm-hmm. it's like it's very heartbreaking to see that because this is a guy who, again, it's unspecified whatever his illness is, but, you know, to live in that state where you're not cleaning up after your animals and like you're leaving trays of the microwave food that you're eating like those things behind and you're not throwing things out it's like you're past the point of being able to take care of yourself because you just you can't take care of yourself for Mm -hmm. x y and z reasons um and so for me i like i i completely agree with dakota like it's such a interesting reveal and they it's such a detailed one as well like what he sees versus what is actually there like they they really do such a nice job of of contrasting that um and yeah for me that was it was always so heartbreaking to go back into whenever the shots went into what the what the apartment actually looked like and like dakota you're talking about how uncomfortable it made you and how like I mean, how terrifying it would be to kind of stumble upon something like that because yes. you see this guy who day to day you see him at work and, you know, he you think he's fine. Like he kind of seems like something maybe a little bit off with him, but overall he seems like a normal dude. But then when you see the way that he's actually living, it becomes very clear like this is somebody, something is very wrong with him because nobody would live in that kind of state unless there was something 
not bothering you because that sounds very trivial, but like unless there was something that was deeply kind of set in your brain that is causing a problem for you to just be able to do like a very simple thing of you have a dog. Well, you got to clean up after your dog. Like you wouldn't just have it lying around your house because that's gross. Like who would do that? Somebody who's obviously very ill. So and that kind of goes back to when Anna Kendrick first sees it. Like I think that her response is just. I think it's probably pretty much what all of our responses would have been if you're in that situation and you're by yourself as well, because then you're like, Oh shit, like this guy's something's up with this dude. And cause there's blood everywhere as well. Not just the bathroom reveal was, was what everywhere. I think really got me was when she saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I liked how they did it where it's like the dog comes running in first and they don't show anything. Yeah, And then because like, she's so fixated on the dog to get the dog back. And then she actually like the the camera takes a beat and then it's like it spans around. Then it's like she's actually taking in her surroundings. Like I really like the way they did that. The the thing that always gets me when she comes into that room, uh, the dog immediately runs at her. And while that's happening and she's trying to calm down this dog, if you just look over like just a little bit past her, there's the um, all the light switches and they're all covered in blood. There's like a huge blood spot right on the light switches. That always gets me. But actually, I was curious because Dakota and Rachel and I guess me to some degree have all mentioned like the portrayal of mental illness in this movie. I'm, I'm curious if you had any thoughts on like the portrayal of mental illness or like either, you know, I guess like either like is it in in terms of like h- how tasteful it is or even just how well it works as a device in this movie um i i i i guess i appreciate like what rachel said and that it it is a cool or sorry i shouldn't say cool it's an interesting way of representing uh what is assumed to be uh schizophrenia in the movie but i still don't feel like it really offers any particular insights i guess like i i it's i i I guess it kind of like showed me how dangerous schizophrenia can be but it doesn't really it didn't really help me like relate or like understand it any better from what i can tell or like and i i guess that's not the goal of the movie but like to be honest it, it it feels more like it's it's wanting me to be scared of someone that has schizophrenia if that makes sense um, yeah, and actually that's that's the main reason I asked that question is because I obviously am not able to speak on this as someone without, like, I have no experience with schizophrenia either from myself or from people close to me, but I definitely did think this movie kind of fell into the trope of mental illness as, you know, the bad guy has a mental illness and you should be afraid of him. And while I don't necessarily think that this movie explicitly states that you need to be afraid of Ryan Reynolds because he has a mental illness, it's like still there. He has a mental illness and he's a guy that is worth being afraid of, you know, draw your own connections. So I think that that's like, yeah, I don't know how much I can speak on that because like I can't speak from that experience, but that is always my trepidation watching this movie is like, is this perpetuating a stereotype that we shouldn't be perpetuating? And I guess I don't know how much I can speak on that, but it is something I always think about when I see this movie. I, I agree with you, That's Jeff. That's a really good point. Yeah. I uh, Go ahead, When I was watching this movie, uh, one of the thoughts that was coming through me was 
is this an appropriate portrayal of of mental illness, of schizophrenia, of whatever other disorders he might be suffering? And it's something I grappled with. And I think the ending doesn't quite get it right because I think they kind of fully commit to the mental illness makes you a bad person or evil person sort of trope. But it's it's so it's so tough because it basically you know, it's a subject that Rachel and I have kind of discussed before that just because you have one instance of something that doesn't necessarily make it a blanket statement for, for everything. So I sort of look at this and be like, does this make people with schizophrenia look bad? Yes, probably. Is this indicative of everyone with schizophrenia? No. Is it possible for people with schizophrenia to do bad things? Yes, because we can look at, you know, other people who have done, you know, really horrific crimes and realize later on that, you know, they might have been suffering from schizophrenia or other related disorders. So it becomes this difficult thing where it almost feels like you're you're not allowed to make a story about someone with any sort of something that could hinder them because then you're you you come too close of crossing the line of doing blanket statement of this represents everyone sort of thing so it's a it's a very tricky thing to to really nail and i don't think they quite nailed the ending i don't know how to make it better because i think the rest of the movie does a very interesting job of showing what it's like for someone that suffers from schizophrenia that also happens to be put in this same situation i think it's a really good point too i mean it's a tough thing I think for any of us to talk about um you know it's best to my knowledge none of us kind of deal with those issues on day to day so it's not like we can speak from it from a firsthand perspective as Jeff said but I think what makes it work for me is that it doesn't it's not like a serious movie if that makes sense like I mentioned the father already and take shelter it's like those are more serious movies that they are trying to say something about mental illness they are trying to say something about the experience with it this to me seems and I'm not trying to give it a pass because I do agree that there is a problem there and that they have used it as that's kind of the weapon like that's that's what he's weapon he hasn't weaponized it but they've kind of weaponized it in the sense of that's what's making him kill but I think the fact that they made it so heightened the fact that they've made it quite extra like they've taken that step to make sure that it's not it's not reality in a way like it, it is more fantastical than than um, I keep I keep saying that the father and um, take shelter but like those are the two that are just rattling my brain right now and there is that line from the psychotherapist at the very end when she you know she says like don't hurt him he's actually like a nice guy like it's just he's really sick you know and you can take that however way of them maybe trying to band-aid the problem at the very very end knowing that it isn't the most positive portrayal of somebody with um, um, schizophrenia or, or whatever, um, whatever it was meant to be. But yeah, I think, I think it's a, it's a legitimate criticism to take on board because, you know, we probably shouldn't keep using things like that. And I mean, if you can draw a line to real life as well, where there's a lot of people out there who get different treatment because they're like oh they suffer from mental health and that you know and I'm not trying to make this a race thing but a lot of the times when you know when talking about different murders especially like in the states or something like that the whole idea of oh it's the white guy who he's just sick you know and they kind of talk about that versus when it's somebody who isn't white maybe it's oh they're just violent they have a history blah 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 that kind of thing um, but yeah no I, I think it's a it's a it's a really good criticism and I don't think that there's a really an answer for it to be honest. Cause I think it's, it is what it is. It's, it's not 
the best thing that the film could have done. And I agree with Dakota that I think wrapping up the film was a very difficult challenge for them to do. I don't know if they completely stuck the landing on it, but yeah, I, I honestly, I don't know what else they could have done with the, with a premise like this. Like, I don't know how else you, you wrap that up. Yeah. I think this movie, like at a certain point in the movie, pretty late in, it kind of commits almost too much to, those themes as a device and as a narrative device, they work really well because you end up having this character who essentially lives in a parallel world to the one that is real. And the interesting thing about the movie is showing the differences between those two worlds. But the problem is that you're using something as a device that is a very real thing that people potentially suffer from uh, and so, or deal with. And like, for that reason, yes, the landing, I think is just, I mean, the, the ending just doesn't quite end up working because of that. Yeah, it's a, uh, I, I, I kind of see the comparisons to the father in that it, I, I didn't like the father that much either, because it also felt like a, it felt like I, I was meant to pity the person or the, the illness rather than understand it, if that makes sense, at least in my opinion, so. But I, I guess it, in some ways it's it's nice to, even though it's not always done right, it's nice to have these movies out there so at least people can take what they want from it. Uh, it's better than not making movies about it, I guess, if that makes sense. Uh, we have some questions that we normally use to wrap up on this show. And I think that we actually have enough questions that we're going to make that the second half of this episode this time. So we're going to be back after a very, very short break. And then uh, we will talk about some, uh, some fun stuff. Jerry. Dad? Creep. Hey, Fiona. Lisa! Good evening, love. Hi, Jerry. Mmm, Allison? Hey, Jerry. Let's not bring up the bad things. Let's just be happy. Jesus. Hi, Jerry. Thanks for the love. Thank you for coming. Wouldn't miss it for the world. Are my pets going to be okay? You betcha. Sing a happy song, sing a happy song. Why don't you sing along, sing a happy song. Get on up and dance, sing a happy song. Come on, clap your hands, sing a happy song. Music's good for your soul. sticking with us for the break obviously this is an another anna kendrick movie with a decently sized role i'd say 
So uh, I feel like we should address the topic at hand. Uh, Dakota, what did you did you enjoy Anna Kendrick in this movie? Yeah, I, I think Rachel did a, a good job kind of summarizing her performance earlier. But yeah, she does a good job of somehow both playing the type that we know her for and a little bit against type as well. It, it was interesting because I, I don't want to call her second fiddle, but she basically, you know, her character, she works is this fi- in the finance department or something like that next to Gemma Arterton's character who is clearly the sort of the queen bee of the office and and one that I guess is sort of the quote-unquote the office hottie that all the guys in the warehouse are probably lusting after and we see that with Ryan Reynolds where she like literally he literally ignores Anna Kendrick completely and so it's just sort of interesting to sort of see her have this bubbly personality but also not be the the quote-unquote cool girl that we sort of see her in stuff like Pitch Perfect. So it's definitely interesting to sort of see her playing what we know her but a bit against type as well, which is, I guess, kind of similar to what Ryan Reynolds is doing as well. So I, I do appreciate what she was doing in this and I quite liked her performance. I think once she... Sorry, another spoiler alert. She dies. She kind of goes a little bit too much into the typical Anna Kendrick performances that we, we sort of see that I don't think I'm as big of a fan of. But overall, yeah, I would say I, I'm I'm higher on this than I would be for probably uh, the other two Anna Kendrick movies that I've, I've talked about on your show, which is Happy Christmas and Noel, and definitely a lot higher than Life After Beth, where she had basically a non-existent role. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rachel, you want to go next? I guess you already said some of um... thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to repeat myself, but it's, I, I think she's brilliant in this. I think that this is actually a really cool role for her. And again, it's something like this, something like even up in the air, you know, those are the kinds of roles when I see her in them and I kind of like, why don't you do more of this stuff? Like, why don't you do more of things like this? It's a bit more interesting for her um, rather than playing a kind of a heightened version of herself. Like I've said heightened already in this episode, but yeah, like I, I kind of, I feel like she could be in a, like her career could be really different. She could have like a, you know, an Emma Stone, Jennifer Lawrence kind of career. But for some reason, she kind of always goes back to the very stereotypical Anna Kendrick role that we see her in. So it's nice to see her in something like this, where it is, you know, a nice mix of the two, like a nice mix of that typical Anna Kendrick but also something a little bit different that where she gets to show a bit more range than we're used to seeing her I'm really glad you brought up Up in the Air because I'm about to do the exact same thing and I'm glad I'm not the first person to do it in Up in the Air what I think was really notable and we talked about it in our Up in the Air episode like she's being cast opposite George Clooney and she has to match his energy and George Clooney is famously one of the most charismatic male actors in Hollywood but Anna Kendrick is able to go toe to toe with him in most scenes. And I think that what's really interesting about this movie is she's doing the same thing for Ryan Reynolds. Now, like by default, that's kind of, if you want to say it this way, lower stakes than being toe to toe with George Clooney. But at the same time, like Ryan Reynolds is playing slightly against type. He's playing this, his character is fairly likable but actually he's like the office awkward guy and like nobody likes him and he's playing that role but in a way that we the audience still want to see him and Anna Kendrick is having to play the exact same role in a different office which I think is kind of interesting because like the way that in Up in the Air she played a mirror 
in some ways to George Clooney. She's playing a mirror in this movie to Ryan Reynolds. And I think that it's, um, she's really good in it, in that role. And specifically, like, I think she actually benefits from the fact that both her and Ryan Reynolds are basically cast against type in this movie. Yeah. I, I think, I think she was really good in this. That's a really good point though, Jeff. I think that, that Anna Kendrick tends to, you guys have said it um, many times before. It's like she tends to take more supporting roles than mm-hmm. lead roles that she's not really the, which is fine. I think that like there's some actors that are just really good as supporting roles. And I think one of the reasons that makes her a really good supporting actor is the fact that she does meet her lead, whatever energy that person has, whether it's a George Clooney or Ryan Reynolds or, um, you know, I don't know the other movie. I'm trying to think of other Anna Kendrick movies now. Um, but, you know, like she, the fact that it, that she's able to do that um, and do it successfully and do it well against, like you said, George Clooney, he's, especially at that point in his career, I think that was like Pete Clooney-dom kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then for Ryan Reynolds, yeah, maybe he's not as big of a star as George Clooney, but it's still like a big presence, a big personality on the screen. And the fact that she's able to, you know, to, to borrow from your language, go toe to toe with both of them. Mm. Um, I think it's like, I actually think she's quite an underrated actress, but I, it, I think the reason she's underrated is not necessarily because people are underrating her. I think she's just not choosing stuff that gives her enough, like to showcase how good mm-hmm. she could possibly be. So these movies, I think do a really nice job of that. And into the woods, I would say too. I think she's, she's really great in that. Now, I, I kind of have to wonder, this is just me sort of thinking out loud, is this sort of because she doesn't have the star power to command the types of movie roles that someone like Jennifer Lawrence, or to a lesser extent, Emma Stone, are able to be offered? And so that's why she sort of has to do either more ensembles or supporting roles or things like that? Or is it due to choices of scripting? This is something obviously... I don't think we're actually going to be able to answer because we're not in the room with her agents and seeing what offer she's getting. But that's something I sort of wonder, you know, her, her most high profile leading roles are probably the pitch perfect movies, I would say, as, as in terms of like box office receipts. But those are, are hugely ensemble pieces where she is not the, the sole focus, even if she's the one that's most remembered by them. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. And like you said, I really don't think it's one that we can get to the bottom of, at least not yet, because, you know, it it really could just be that she's not getting the right role. Well, I mean, it, there clearly is an element of her not getting the right roles, but I don't know what we could chalk that up to, if anything. I think of um, an actor like Sam Rockwell, who's an entirely different actor to Anna Kendrick, mm. obviously. But he has done, while he has done like, uh, lead roles as well but I think he's best when he's doing supporting like that's kind of Sam Rockwell's thing is he's so good when he is the person that come, maybe jumps in and out of scenes or just kind of has the secondary plot not the primary plot mm-hmm. um, and I think maybe because especially something like Hollywood where it's like you want to be the lead you want to be the main the main girl the main guy I think don't discount the fact that there's a lot of actors working who are brilliant in side roles like supporting roles and who knows like you know maybe Anna Kendrick that's more of I assume that when most actors start out I think that they all think that they're going to be like the next big whatever like headliner but sometimes like as they work and depending too I would assume by like your peer group like the other actors around your age group 
um, who kind of maybe look a little bit similar to you, if they are going to be more, more Jennifer Lawrence, like more Emma Stone, like, you know, those guys are very magnetic star stars, like Hollywood stars, as we typically think of them. Whereas Anna Kendrick, I don't think she is like that. Like, I don't, I don't see her as, you know, a, a star, if that makes sense. Like, I think she's, mm-hmm. she's, I think she's really good in supporting roles. And like, I think, like, if I'm her agent after a few years, you would just be like, stick to the supporting roles that like, you can still make a lot of money from it. And you can still have a really, really reputable career as Sam Rockwell, like someone like him shows like you can you can do the side stuff, you, side character stuff and be a really interesting actor. And I think a lot of times, too, the supporting role tends to be a bit more interesting than the lead role anyways. One of my friends is a guitarist and he's been a guitarist since high school in like various bands. And he told me once the value of a really good bassist is extremely underrated. <laughs> bassists always get shit on, though, don't they? Those, guys, those poor guys. <laughs> No, yeah. no one appreciates a bassist but you need them i like i, I take that yeah. point like you absolutely need you need every aspect of you know a, apart from certain movies that are just like two people or one person in a movie and that's the whole film those don't happen that often like usually you do need a solid supporting cast and mm-hmm. even underneath them like you need kind of even better cameo like not cameos but just like you're in there for one scene and you're gone kind of mm-hmm. thing like those can make a big difference in whether a movie works or doesn't work which is maybe why mm-hmm. something like pitch perfect is maybe her most uh well-known works because it isn't solely reliant on her uh mm-hmm. and they have so many other great talents it would be interesting i i would want to see her work with maybe another director who maybe specializes in an ensemble piece i don't think she'd be good in something like a tarantino movie but like i don't know i could think of like the coen brothers coming up with some sort of an interesting character for her. I don't think she she naturally fits in with the world. But if I was to hear tomorrow, oh yeah, she's casting the new Coen's brother movie, I'd be like, you know what? I'm actually intrigued by that idea. Similarly, and like Dakota, I think you would be able to comment on this. I think in a similar way, she would be really interesting to see in a Wes Anderson movie, someone who works entirely in ensembles. I don't know how she would fit into a Wes Anderson movie, but he's surprised me with, people that I didn't think would fit into his movies before so yeah I I absolutely agree yeah you you come to the right person to ask about Wes Anderson (laughs) um yeah I I think she could fit into something like Wes Anderson you're absolutely right he's another director who works almost entirely in in ensemble pieces and she has that quirky personality already where she can deadpan her quirks which is basically what a Wes Anderson movie is is deadpanning your quirkiness Mm -hmm. So yeah, like you know, she he, he works a lot with someone like Saoirse Ronan. Could Anna Kendrick have a, a Saoirse Ronan type role in one of his movies? Absolutely, I think so. Just to pass it off to you again, Pierre, where where would you put this in terms of the Anna Kendrick performances we've seen so far, and or in terms of the movies we've seen so far? I'd say it's like a mid tier one, maybe around I don't know Rocket. Is it Rocket Science? Is it? I think that's. It's like one I would compare it to. Like, I, she wasn't given that much, but I thought she did have a lot of chemistry with Ryan Reynolds. I almost kind of want to see them paired in, like, more of a rom-com. I think that'd be that'd be interesting. Because I liked what they had, but also, like, it lasted for, like, two minutes or something like that. So I was, in a way, kind of bummed that I didn't get to see their relationship blossom in any way due to what happens later. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it was all right. I, I don't necessarily know why she... I think picking roles like these in some ways is what holds her back, but 
because it felt like a little i mean it, it was quite literally disposable because she you know died but i think uh it, it was it was solid i guess i'll just uh really quick come in i think this is very this is very high tier anna kendrick for me not necessarily the best obviously up in the air is currently the best and i don't know if that's going to change anytime soon but i would definitely put this near the top i think that like um i i have similar feelings about this as i do with up in the air and i think that the only times that i've seen her in roles that really rival what she brings to those roles are the uh I can't remember the guy's name. The the guys who did um, like Jeff Swan or whatever. The guy who does uh, who did Happy Christmas. Joe I've Swanberg. seen her in two of his movies. Sorry, Joe Swanberg. Joe Swanberg. Yeah, but, uh, I've seen Anna Kendrick in two of his movies, and while I didn't much care for those movies, I thought that she was able to flex her acting muscles in a really different way in those that I think she was really good in. So. To me, like in terms of Anna Kendrick's performance, those are probably the top four is the Joe Swanberg movies, this and up in the air in terms of where this falls as a movie. Also near the top. I have it currently ranked number five on my Letterboxd list. Impressive. Rachel, what did you think? I have not watched nearly enough Anna Kendrick movies <laughs> to know where this falls into. I really liked her performance, though. Like, I, I think it is, to me, for what I have seen her in, which, again, is not very much, I put up in the air, like Jeff said, like that's very top. I think 50-50 is up there as well. I think she's quite good in that, too. Um, yeah, I, I would put this up near the top i think with her it's like not none of the movies i saw like even we did the last episode we were on was for um was that noel ha- happy christmas and noel yes. yeah i hated noel that was such a stupid <laughs> movie like there's nothing redeeming about it but like mm-hmm. she's fine in it do you know what i mean like even if it's mm-hmm. the movie's not great i think she's always good like she's always a good actress and in, in anything you, you put her in but yeah I, i'd put it up near the top caveat that i have not very seen very many anna kendrick movies clearly definitely not as much as you guys have um, sure. but yeah i would say top for me dakota what about you yeah i would i would also kind of agree with with most of you were saying i would probably put it in the the low end of the top tier she definitely makes i think the most of what she can in it obviously things i would put higher is stuff up in the air, Scott Pilgrim versus the world, Paranorman as far as like her actual performances goes, as far as movies that she's involved in, End of Watch is, is probably one of the best, if not the best film that she's ever been in, even as you guys have rightly pointed out that she literally could, her part could have been played by literally anyone else. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I agree. It's a, it's a very solid performance. It's, it's not quite up there with up in the air, but it is up there in that realm. How many times can I say up there, up, 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 in one sentence? You know, I think in the last, I'm just going to ignore that. I think in the last one, <laughs> the last episode that uh, we were on to, I think you, somebody mentioned End of Watch. I forget she's in End of Watch, even though like literally a month ago, you guys said that to me and I completely forgot again that she's End of Watch because like her role must be really small in End of Watch. No, I haven't seen it's, it in a while. It's really small. She yeah. plays the girlfriend of jake gyllenhaal who almost doesn't even come up because he's he almost exclusively interacts with michael pena yeah yeah 
Interesting. I do love it. Like, if she's in End of Watch, then yeah, that's probably the best movie she's been in. So, one last thing. We were recently on you guys' A24 retrospective podcast. And in the A24 retrospective, you guys have a couple of games you guys like to do. One of which is Would You Rathers. And because I am a blatant plagiarist, I wanted to steal that idea and we had everyone here prepare Would You Rathers based on the voices as well. So I would like to just introduce that and pass it off to Pierre. For the first Would You Rather To talk more. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, my question is, would you rather be like Anna Kendrick in this movie where you really like someone and they turn out to be a murderer and then so at least you get like a few good moments with them and then you die or would you rather be more like the the co-worker that comes at the end and just kind of randomly dies with no pretext if that makes sense that's a very dark question pierre yeah (laughs) Yeah. uh i don't know i guess if no matter what i'm dying um I guess I'd rather be the guy I suspected all along rather than the guy I, I was in love with. That's a fair point. <laughs> I'd say between the two characters, I'd probably rather go for Allison, the co-worker, because, I don't know, she seemed fun. She seemed very bubbly and had a nice life. And, you know, just was chilling and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and yeah, then she died. But, you know, we're all going to die. It's fine. She's just... <laughs> That was just her journey in all of this. I'll take Allison. Yeah. Yeah, I think I would uh I would also go with Allison here because I mean, I don't we don't get much about her, but I'm going mm-hmm. to just charitably assume she had a full life outside yeah. of what we saw in the movie where with Anna Kendrick's character, like not that she didn't have a full life, but her last couple of days were spent obsessing over this guy who turned out to well i mean ultimately ended up killing her so like i think that would be an you know a little bit of an unfortunate waste of time so i would i guess i would go with allison there what about you pierre which one would you choose um i i kind of like the the surprise aspect personally i think that's more i don't know it, it, it less of an, um, an emotional roller coaster i guess so yeah there you go who's got the jeff you got a question I do. I did tease in the uh, in the A24 retrospective that I personally find this question a little bit darker than the one that I said in that episode, which you guys can, uh, if you're just hearing this for the first time, you should go listen to that episode so you can hear what that other question was. My question for you guys was, would you rather no longer perceive messiness at all? So you never have to clean your house again. Like you just don't even see if there's a mess. Or have any plans that you ever make be canceled, but have them be canceled last minute to the point where like you end up at the Chinese restaurant and then your date cancels on you an hour later. So would you rather um, like, I don't get, would you rather a potentially messy situation like at home, like a messy apartment, but you don't know it's messy, like in your brain, Mm -hmm. it's fine. Or constantly getting stood up on dates. essentially those the options well i mean like the the way that these tie together is right like no one can in one case no one's gonna come over to your house ever for any reason and in the other case you're just not gonna see anybody ever for any reason 
So really, it's what in under which circumstances do you want to not see someone ever? <laughs> Rachel, what life do you want to live alone? God, <laughs> such good choices. I don't know, Dakota, do you know your answer? I have to still think about it. Uh, I think I do. And I, and I need to sound out my logic here a little bit. I am a very neat person. I like being clean. So obviously the first one kind of annoys me. But I don't think I have a bigger pet peeve than being stood up. Like, I, I'll tell you guys a little bit about me. Uh, probably revealing myself a little bit too much here. I had one friend who... Uh, towards the end of our friendship, she kept bailing on uh, on times that we were supposed to hang out. And I was venting to a mutual friend of ours, and she knew how much this was angering and upsetting me. And so we had a time we were supposed to meet up, and she just straight up bailed on it. And instead of apologizing, she knew how much it hurt me that she just ghosted me because she knew I would be so mad at her. So with all that said, and me revealing a very weird story about myself, uh, I'm going to go with not seeing my messiness because I really hate being stood up. That's a, that's a terrible story. That's so shitty. Thank you. Who does something like that? I don't know, Alex. Why did you do that? <laughs> wow. Okay. I don't know how to follow that up. I <laughs> go with... I would go with, I think I actually would go with being stood up all the time, to be honest, because I couldn't stand the idea that, I mean, even if I don't know that it's dirty, it would just, it, that's really gross to me. This is a really difficult and, question, Jeff. Yeah, it really is. Cause like, I, it's so gross. Like I couldn't deal with that. And that's like a day to day thing. If I just assume like never I would think that like after a while, if everybody kept standing me up, like friends and dates and stuff like that, then maybe just eventually you just stop asking people and then you just go to restaurants by yourself and enjoy that life. I think I'd be fine with that. Or bring a book with you and you're absolutely golden. Just wherever you go. I always have a book with me anyway. So just read and you're, you've got a nice afternoon or good evening, but you go home to a clean apartment because that's disgusting. Mm hmm. Um, yeah. Th oh, sorry. Sorry. Uh, this one's really, really hard for me because both of these are huge, huge pet peeves for for me as well, specifically. So, like, I actually don't know which one I hate more. That's not a cop out answer. I will pick one, but like, it's it's a really tough question, and that I'm just realizing now because I came up with the question with the intention that all you guys would answer it, and I know I need to answer it too, but I didn't <laughs> ever think of it. Like, I, I think I might, I don't know. I, I might go with being stood up all the time because I can't abide a mess. Although if I, if I didn't know it was a mess, it might be a little easier, but I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think I might have to go with being stood up all the time, even though both of those are like probably my two biggest pet peeves, actually. Um, so just to be, the first one is if, I won't tell, be able to tell if my room's messy. Yeah. That sounds amazing. I don't like, <laughs> it's messy anyways. So at least I get like some peace of mind. Um, and I don't like having people over at my place because it's messy. So like, it's, it's a win-win for me. Picking that one. It just kind of sounds like your life now. It seems <laughs> yeah. like this is the situation that you've got going right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that was an easy choice. Thanks. Uh, Rachel, do you have a question? 
Yeah, it's not very good, and I do apologize. I could, I like for the life of me, couldn't come up with something. But it's similar to your question, Pierre. Actually, so it's if you're Anna Kendrick's character, would you rather date this guy, knowing that something's a little bit off because he's a bit quirky, but you don't actually know what the problem is or that he's been out murdering, but you're having like a really good time, like you have a nice connection, you have a really nice relationship, or would you actually rather know the truth and then deal with it as you may? Knowing that he's a murderer, and, like, and, and or knowing that he's yeah, but like you're having a nice life. You guys have a really nice time together, but you don't know, and he hasn't killed you. Like, <laughs> okay. am I guaranteed that he will never kill me, or like? Yeah, like you guys could just live peacefully together. Oh, and it, it will be a nice relationship, and he'll he won't get caught because it's that's the world that I'm building right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh jeez, I think I would pick not. Wait, is the first one? So the first one, I don't end up with them but I think they're quirky or whatever. No, you do. Like you, you, you're dating him, but he's, and and it's like a, a, like the best relationship you've ever had in your life, but he is a murderer, but you don't, you don't know that. I I think the first one, the second one just sounds like I'd I'd feel really guilty. So like, it'd be like really awkward all the time (laughs) because I wouldn't be able to say anything, but I'd still know. Because if he was like, oh, yeah, I'm going out for groceries, I'd be like, oh, he's going out to kill people. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not going to say anything because I'm okay with that for some reason. So I think the first one, ignorance is bliss. Fair. Jeff? I mean, I think, like, you said and deal with that as you may. So I think, like, it, I, I think it's important to know the red flags. And I would probably, <laughs> like, realistically, if that was a big enough red flag, which murder usually is, I would probably call it off. So like I think I would I think I would go with that one. I think blissful ignorance here is a nice idea, but I think that if I had to choose between both of those and knowing what I know now as the omni- omniscient person who knows both of the questions, I'd probably go with uh I'd like to know the red flags actually. Dakota. Wow, look at Mr. Murders a red flag guy over here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I, I agree with Jeff. I, I'd want to know, you know, you just, you just hate finding skeletons in the closet. Like you don't want to know your partner's a murderer or they don't clean up after themselves in the bathroom or, you know, they steal spoons from restaurants or some weird shit like that. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna the go three with... great crimes. <laughs> yes. The, the only three crimes in existence because, you know, comedy rule of threes, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I'd want to know the red flags. Thank you very much. Sorry, Pierre. I'm going to go team Pierre on this one and say I would just rather be chilling in ignorance. If it's a nice relationship and he's not going to kill me, all right, it's fine. And, like, don't kill my family or my friends either. Like, that's kind of a... You're so demanding, Rachel. Now you're well, yeah, asking just, your partners like, not to murder I, you? There needs to be <laughs> some parameters in Wasn't where part the of people the who I like won't get killed. <laughs> Yeah, look, obviously murder is wrong. Don't do it. But if I know you're going to do it, then sure. Then it's different, right? And be good at it, too. Like, be, be yeah. good at it. If you're a shitty murderer, then I don't He's a pretty shitty murderer. Like, if you're it's good all at accidental. It, I mean, you know. I, except, I just, for, I, I, except for the third co-worker. I guess that was on accidental murder. Well, we don't know yeah, what happened. Was, it could have been. That's true. Theoretically. She could have fell. And, well, see... Know. We don't know exactly what happened, but shortly thereafter, his dog uh, clarifies that he no longer believes that Ryan Reynolds is a good boy. So, like, we know that something bad did happen. True, true. 
Well, I mean, he, he cut her up. But like, <laughs> she could have just fell. And then, like, oopsie daisies, what do we do now? You have to clean Oops. this mess up. I, uh... Well, Maybe. Uh, Dakota, do you have a question? I do. So, would you rather have the ability to talk to animals who may not have the same level of intelligence as humans. So, you know, basically talking to Mr. Bosco where it's going to be very simple of, Oh, I'm a good boy. Oh, I want a treat. I want belly rub, stuff like that. Or talk to dead people who likely have pretty morbid conversations about how their life ended up turning out. Uh, wow. Stunned silence. Definitely animals. Uh, Mr. Bosco seems like just an awesome person to have a conversation <laughs> with. And I would probably buy a dog if I could. If, if I could talk to animals, I would get a dog. It sounds like just a great time. I think. I'm going to agree with Jeff. I, I've always wanted to know what animals think. Animals and babies are the two things that I've always just been fascinated. Like what's going on in their brain? Like what are they thinking about right now? So I think it'd be really, it'd be really cool to hear what an animal has to say. And I agree, Mr. Bosco, he seems like a top-notch dog. Uh, I think animals too. I've wanted to be vegetarian for a while. I think that'd finally give me the push to uh, <laughs> not eat animals anymore because I'm talking to them. So that would be my pick. It's funny. The reason why I feel like it's a bit of a difficult thing is I, I don't know if any of you also have pets right now or not, but I have a dog. And he'll do this weird thing where he'll be laying down and licking himself, but also making intense eye contact with me. And it's like, dude, oh. what is going on in your head? And he'll just, just do this weird thing. We're just like slowly licking like his arm, his, his back, whatever. And you're just like, why do you need to make the intense eye contact? And so it's times like that where I'm like, I, I kind of want to know what you're thinking, but also I really don't want to know what you're thinking. Wouldn't you want to know, though? Like, maybe there's something wrong with him. And he's trying to be like, I'm trying to get this idiot's attention. <laughs> he's ignoring me. Like, what kind of a relationship is this? Maybe. I don't know. I also I also think it's interesting that the presence of uh, the, the one person who has a pet out of all of us. I guess I don't know. Rachel, maybe you I have a not, pet. No, I don't. Okay. No. The one person who has a pet is the only one who wouldn't want to speak to pets. Now, hold on. <laughs> hold on. That's an interesting insight. Hold on. I think I still probably would want to talk to my dog, but uh, he's just an idiot most of the time that I don't think would have anything interesting to say. You don't know that, though, because he might be a brilliant dog. And it's you're weighing him down by not talking to him, basically. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that's that's exactly the case there, Rachel. This I guy, just wanted this to guy know has, what I'm showing thinking. a picture. You think this guy has lots of intelligent things to say? I think he does. <laughs> I think all dogs have fun things to say. He looks very intelligent. <laughs> he looks like a good boy. <laughs> he tries to be. Well, uh, thank you guys for your questions. And thank you guys for coming on and talking about the voices. Uh, I'm really glad that Rachel brought up uh, 50-50 because that's what we're talking about next time. We're talking about 50-50 and what to expect when you're expecting. Uh, that's our Valentine's Day episode. I really hope that ends up being a good choice for Valentine's Day because <laughs> at least one of those is pretty dark. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. That's uh, funny. But uh, before we leave off, 
Uh, I just wanted to ask you guys, where can our listeners find more of you, Dakota, and you, Rachel, and both of you together? (laughs) Rachel, go first. Thanks for having us on again. A lot of fun. And uh, I appreciate that I enjoyed this movie a lot more than the other two. Especially Noel, uh, it's fine. Um, you can people can find me at uh, rachelkh.com and on Twitter and Instagram at underscore rachelkh. You can find uh, me. I, I really only gonna plug my the show's socials. I'm not gonna plug my own socials. Uh, but Contrazoom Pod is the name of the podcast. It's the name of our Instagram handle. It's the name of our Twitter handle. You can find us all there. I I run those accounts, but Rachel definitely sees everything that gets shared and posted to that as well. Uh, so please feel free to reach out to to us, and we'll gladly have a conversation. And thank you guys so much for having us on. This was a really fun crossover double bill pairing show i hope people listen to these back to back that would be kind of cool yeah if you have uh, i think this episode technically comes out slightly later than the a24 retrospective so if you're listening to this one first and you haven't listened to the a24 retrospective on life after beth you should go listen to that next that is a great episode that we had a lot of fun with and uh it works really well as a double billing with this episode which is not a spoiler for anything I said in that episode at all. (laughs) All right. Well, Pierre, I know you were really excited for 50-50 a while ago. You excited for next week? Yes. This is a movie I've actually seen before with Anna Kendrick, so it'll be (laughs) much more convenient for me, I guess. Also, it's a really good movie. I liked it a lot. Nice. Spoilers, I guess, are my thoughts. Well, tune in next week when we're going to talk about at least one really good movie.